Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads and today's guest is Anada Lakra and she is the founder of Day 100 which is a platform that identifies your perfect match job candidates based on deep analysis of your work preferences or references rather she's passionate about redesigning how companies and talent are matched and she believes in a recruiting approach that is both more data driven and human centric welcome to the show anata thank you good to be here <laughs> the, the, the pleasure is mine now you have an interesting background we we were both sharing how we both have um this international um, background really from you know we came to America as international students so can you tell the world where you're from and what it was like growing up and what led to you here sure absolutely so I'm from Albania so that's typically people don't know where that's on a map so I'll just go through that first okay. uh, it's a small uh, Mediterranean country right between Italy and Greece um, about three million people live there so definitely um, on the smaller side and yeah I mean growing up there was great um, I had a very kind of uh, normal book oriented childhood both my parents are um, kind of within academic from the academic world and definitely fed me with that uh, passion for studying and always with that international outlook like always growing up somehow I knew that I'd end up elsewhere I never thought that I'd be um, at home, even though I still kind of nurture this illusion or this vision of going back one day. But um, so, yeah, I mean, growing up there was great, definitely an, an experience that shaped me. And I think also like having in a way fewer opportunities uh, helped me be really kind of determined about chasing them. Um, and yeah, so I feel like in maybe in other environments where there's just an overwhelming amount of opportunities. Maybe people get a bit complacent about them, but right. the fewer opportunities you have, the more kind of determined you tend to be about making sure that you get each and every one of them. Um, so yeah, yeah. Then I moved 
basically to um, to the U.S. for college um, in New Haven at Yale. Um, did my ethics, politics, and economics degree there. And after that, went to, into consulting for a year. Liked some aspects of it. I liked the fact that it was data-driven. I liked the fact that it was um, entrepreneurial um, and exciting, always new projects. Um, I didn't necessarily like the financial services industry, which is what I was working on. Uh, but then I got this kind of inspiration to do something more around recruiting and to apply the same data-driven feel and uh, process to uh, recruiting, which is typically a much more, unfortunately, gut-filling oriented practice today. Mm -hmm. So that's what leads me to day 100. And I I have been doing this for about a year and a half. So it's definitely been an interesting journey. Uh, I, I can imagine. I can imagine. And I love the story that you shared. Let's, you said you always sort of knew that you were going to end up elsewhere. Can you talk mm-hmm. about that? Why did you feel like you were going to end up elsewhere? Um, because you kind of understand growing up the reality of the country you live in. Mm-hmm. And Albania is like the kind of country where, uh, th- as I mentioned, three million people are in Albania and there's that many people also everywhere else in the world. So it's a very kind of the kind of place where as much as it's a beautiful place and has so much history and uh, beauty and all of that, it's also one where there's unfortunately not so many um, economical opportunities and a lot of corruption and all the things like that. So that it's really good for some people and not, it's it's on basically a very uh, meritocratic kind of um, society. It's definitely changing, and there's a lot of people now that are definitely every single year I see that my peers who are still there have more opportunities than they did, and it's becoming a bit better, but still it's nowhere compared to the kind of opportunities you get in other places. So I kind of realized that growing up and um, always had a very kind of supportive family that kind of understood as much as they wanted to keep me there. They also understood that for kind of uh, to get the best opportunities, I did have to um, go somewhere else. Mm. So, mm. yeah. No, no, that makes sense. I, you know, I grew up in similar environments, so I, mm-hmm. I identify with that. Uh, the first nine years of my life was in the military dictatorship. So that uh, definitely, definitely understand that. So let's go to Yale. You you get accepted into Yale. First of all, it's not, that's a big deal. Yale's an Ivy League. You know, you know, it's not like any any other college. You get accepted into Yale. What is your first impression as you step into Connecticut and you're like, wow, I'm in America. <laughs> I mean, first of all, my first impression was that these people. Well, I don't speak the kind of English that these people do. Like, <laughs> I feel like I spoke and and I've been like speaking. I had been at that point speaking English for about ten years and learning it at school and everything. And I got in there and I could not understand a single word that was being spoken to me. So that was definitely interesting. Um, the second thing, I think I just I just loved it. I mean. Um, Yale is like the kind of very international school. There's all these people from these different backgrounds, countries, stories with different interests. And it was just like this environment that was just absolutely amazing, especially going right into there. I started off with this international students orientation and met like so many people like from more cultures and places than I had met like my entire life leading up to that moment. So 
was very a very surreal experience. Um, I didn't initially have, I didn't perceive it to be a big kind of culture shock. Um, so I didn't really have any moment where um, I was so surprised, especially not never really in a negative way. Um, so yeah, I think my experience was really good. <laughs> I don't really have any horror stories to no, share. No, no, it's good. I mean, I, <laughs> no, I, I was uh, very interested in your story. I mean, so when you came, obviously English was a lot faster, uh, mm-hmm. and it was spoken at a different pace than you were used to, even though you had spoken before. In you know, it, it was already an international environment, so fitting in, you know, was made you know easier. I'm curious, what, did you, um, you know, what about the American culture? made you feel like you, you were able to, to actually build a career here? You mean after college? After college, yes. Right. So I think definitely going back, I think like the, the theme that is emerging here is just like the opportunity and how much you can do and uh, in, in a lot of different ways. I mean, access to talent, access to capital, everything is like much more easier and fluid here than in other places. Mm. And I mean, you're constantly meeting people that are really bright and smart and surprise and challenge you and you want to learn more from them and you want to work more with them so that the, the abundance of like intelligence and kind of hustle especially in a place like new york is very high and very motivating yes. and then also like the ability to i mean right now just generally the the barrier to entry when it comes to uh, tech and to creating your own business is lower than it's ever been um, operating costs are lower. You can manage your own business from the comfort of your living room. So um, that has definitely um, kind of made it much easier to um, adapt. And if you have like something, an, an idea that you think is innovative and has potential to become something, yeah. then I think that it's easier than ever to say, okay, let's let's do this. No, I love it. I love it. But here's a fascinating thing with you. You went to Yale, first of all, graduated with honors in ethics, politics, and economics. Now you're on a platform that identifies perfect job match candidates with you know deep analysis and work references. I am so curious as to what what shifted. How that like, happened? Yeah, you're like, wait, what? That's not the same. So, <laughs> it is not. I mean, um, so I mean, Yale is a liberal arts like university, so I think that I my major is definitely very much into that um, general sense of um, being more about kind of learning how to think rather than just learning this like very specialized like area of um, work. So what I really enjoyed about ethics, politics and economics was that I got to see this complex, challenging problems from different perspectives. And somehow sometimes those perspectives were conflicting. So figuring out how to put all of this stuff together and come up with solutions that were practical and took into account all these different considerations were really interesting to me. Um, and after that, I think my path going to consulting and then starting my own company definitely has that aspect in common. So thinking about this like complex problems and understanding how to analyze them and how to look at them from different perspectives um, is something that I enjoyed. And as well as, um, so when it comes to recruiting specifically, I think there's all these different things that you have to take into account. Obviously, uh, kind of the bottom line. So how is how are your recruiting efforts in your organization translating to helping your revenue and improving your bottom line? But there's also 
all these other components of ethics involved into that, uh, including like removing bias from the process, diversity, inclusion. So all of these other kind of questions that initially for some people or in the short term, it seems like the financial, like the economics versus the ethics of the question are opposite. But actually, there's so many studies that show that in the long term, they're not. They actually help each other. For example, specifically, diversity does help the bottom line of a company. So kind of putting all of these elements together and seeing how to create kind of this product that furthers this mission of, you know, affording more opportunities to people that maybe wouldn't have gotten these opportunities otherwise and uh, while also making it financially viable and meaningful to companies is in a way a real world application of what I studied. Mm. And, 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 and for those listening, that's exactly what you know day 100 is. I'm going to give you a chance to talk more about that. But so you're basically combining human insight with analytics and you, you, right. yeah, you enable like employers to you know, to effortlessly go from like that large pipeline of applicants to a short list mm-hmm. of exceptionally fit. So, um, so that's what day 100 does. Now, I've, I've, you know, followed your work. We were introduced by a mutual friend and there was something that you said to me that, that has stayed with me. Well, you didn't say it to me, but I, I saw you, you know, was online and you had said to someone, you said that, um, you know, that you hire people, not paper. Mm-hmm. What do you, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Why? What do you think the problem is with today's hiring practices? Yeah. I mean, today, today, hiring, today's hiring is very much based on looking at a resume and looking at this very one-dimensional view of who someone is on paper, and that's where a lot of the bias is coming in because you don't really get to see the per, the full person. You're just seeing some bullet points, and a lot of those bullet points have to do with where they've worked before, where they went to school. Even things that are not even related to to that, but even like something like a name, someone's name, like already with those kind of information, uh, every human kind of already makes creates this first impression. And that first impression can be very wrong and not based at all on on facts. And it's also um, not good for your company to, you know, get people like that who maybe meet your first kind of uh, first impression barrier, but don't actually have the qualities that would make for a good long-term employee, let's say with your company. So we, we really believe that like bias and wrong decisions start from that very first moment of looking at a resume and then going from there. And then you also have interviews, which, are typically the next step in that process. And while interviews are obviously a better way than, you know, resumes are to get to know someone because you actually get to see them, interact with them in person, there's still a lot of bias involved into this process because you're already kind of, you know, you already have your own understanding of who this person is, how this person is supposed to act. And if they're a bit different than what you expected, most people think of that as a negative thing. Uh, People, when they interview someone, they're looking in a way to find themselves. So they can be very closed off to someone who might not be their personality match, might not be their best friend, but is actually exactly what that company might need um, to succeed. So there's a lot of bias basically uh, in the process, as well as one of the 
personality traits that really comes across in, let's say, an interview is extroversion. So extroverted people are much better at making a good first impression and responding to questions and things like that. Whereas the other traits maybe not might, might not even come up in an interview. Um, and those are the traits that actually really matter for success and performance in the workplace. Um, so, I mean, understanding all of this and understanding how much bias there is in this process, we were kind of thinking of what is a better way to give this truthful, honest, unbiased 360 view of a person right at the moment where they apply to a company. So a view that is not based just simply on proxies like name, education and previous workplaces, but much more based on the um, on the soft skills, the personality traits and all these uh, elements that really actually are meaningful and determine success in the long term. So we created this process that takes into account other people's viewpoints. So for each candidate that, let's say, applies for a job, we send to the people that know them best. So like past managers, colleagues, etc. We send to those people this psychology-based questionnaires about that candidate, uh, not with questions that are about right or wrong, but more with questions that are just about unveiling this person's personality traits. And then we then do this algorithmic matching between the really um, thorough data that we get from referrers to the ideal uh, candidate that the company is looking for, and then give them this unbiased kind of ranking of their candidate pool so that they can upfront, you know, understand the candidates based on that deeper data we've collected hmm. um, about them. So I know I spoke a lot, so no, <laughs> feel no. free to, yeah. No, there's a lot I want to peel out. So, you know, I, I, there's certainly a lot of things that I can say there. You know, I, I'm a black male here in America, and I've, I talk with a lot of HR professionals, and you know, those that do acknowledge that biases do say that sometimes when they see a Carlos or Lakeisha or, or LaShawn, you know, those are like typically black or Hispanic names. They, they, something gets triggered there. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that your platform can eliminate something like that where it's just focused on names? Yeah, I mean, it's not even just about names. I think that that's definitely a big part of it. Uh, but I think it's, I mean, different people have uh, like disadvantaged backgrounds and really, necess- I mean, race, for example, is one factor, but there's so many other factors that can influence that that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't really mean that this person doesn't have the right uh, traits or the right uh potential to really succeed in that work environment. It can even be something as simple as maybe um, this person doesn't have like 10 years of ad tech experience, let's say, but maybe they have kind of the right mix of skills and maybe they come from a non-traditional background, but they can be exactly the kind of person you need for this ad tech role, even though on paper it didn't seem that way. So I think that, you know, the, you know, let's say racial or nationality or all those other biases are definitely important, but they're only one part of the, the picture. And um, the, what the platform does is a bunch of different things. First of all, we don't take into account um, any of that kind of extraneous information when uh, making a hiring recommendation. All we take into account are 
these questions that have to do or the answers to the questions that have to do about soft skills and personality traits. So it's much more based on the idea of higher for higher personality and trained skills. So that's this kind of quote that everyone likes to throw around. And that's something that we really believe in. So hire someone that has the right potential and then train them to have the the skills that you need for the job. Mm. Um, And then another thing that we do more related to um, kind of that initial bias you're talking about has also to do with anonymizing candidate profiles. So when you look at the day 100 candidate profile, you don't see their names. Or Well, you can choose to hide their names, hide their emails, hide gender pronouns in the reference questionnaires. So all the small things that mm. help you further remove those first impression triggers. Okay. No, no. Okay. So say I'm a, I'm a company, I'm Ericsson mm-hmm. or I'm... Aon Hewitt, and I want mm-hmm. I want to do a hiring summer blitz. I, I come to you and mm-hmm. buy your platform, right? Is that how it works? And then and then you recommend people to me. Yeah. So the the way we work it works. Our focus right now is really on helping you or on being your like. Um, one-stop shop for any kind of data analytics and decision-making when it comes to hiring and understanding. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Who your best candidates are in your pool. So what companies typically already do before they come to us is that they would just post their job ad on their careers website and on other uh, potential platforms, and they will see like applicants coming in and then they would funnel all those candidates through day 100 and we'll kick off this process with the candidates where we're going to ask them for references. The candidates are going to indicate who the references are. We're going to reach out to those references uh, with our online questionnaire that is super user-friendly. It's not your typical reference questionnaire. And it's actually interesting to complete by the referrers as well, because it's in a way it's like a personality test, but taken on behalf of someone else. And after that, we kind of take all that data, crunch it, match it to the job requirements and send back to the company this ranking of their candidates based on their skills fit, but also their culture fit with a position and with a company uh, with a lot of data, uh, human data that uh, under kind of that uh, scoring. Well, I love it. I love it. And um, talking to you, I know you also have a particular opinion on, on references and the potential of references. Can you talk about that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, I mean, we did a lot of psychology research as part of um, building Day 100. And the most interesting thing we found in the process of trying to understand 
um, what are the things, the qualities that matter for, for success in the workplace. What we found was that um, the best data source is not necessarily the candidates themselves, but people who know the candidates really well. Because, I mean, so far we've been talking a lot about bias on the employer side, but we do have to recognize that there's also a lot of bias on the candidate side, both uh, conscious and unconscious bias. There's conscious bias because the candidate typically wants to get the job, so they're going to, in a way, tailor their personality to um, what they think the job needs and what they think the employer wants to see in the interview. And there's obviously also unconscious bias, so the, um, the the fact that people don't really know themselves and they don't really uh, know how they're perceived by others. So what I think of myself might not actually be a match of what other people think of me. And it's actually been shown that other people's opinions tend to be more objective and unbiased because they talk they speak to uh, observed qualities rather than what I personally feel like I am. So we're not, definitely not saying that the personal, the candidate um, provided data shouldn't be taken into account. Uh, but we're saying that that's the only thing currently that's being taken into account. Just the candidate's viewpoint with the resume, with the cover letters, with the interview, it's all like candidate provided information so bringing in this third party viewpoint on the candidate can be extremely helpful in highlighting uh this other like objective view of the observed qualities of someone so that's that's how kind of the power of references come in and there's very underutilized today because uh first of all i mean there's two problems there the first problem is that um it's just hard work to basically get references. You have to kind of schedule all these phone calls, take the phone calls, get, get all these unstructured uh, points of data, have to compare them across different candidates. So it's just a lot of manual effort involved into the process. But secondly, why a lot of people don't do them is that they say that, well, the candidate is saying that I should reach out to those people. So all these people are going to tell me is good things about the candidate and I'm not going to get any honest, helpful information from them. Um, so when we started Day 100 Off, we were very cognizant of these two challenges, and we solved both of them. The first one it, we solved just by using technology. So there's an easy way to automate the process, to automate the workflow so that everything happens automatically, the process of data input and processing so that you don't, as an employer, don't have to lift the phone uh, and to make a phone call, but everything is like automated. The second part, which is the more psychological part and the more challenging part, is how to remove the bias from the process. And that really has to do with the design of the questionnaire and has to do with how you approach the questions. Because obviously, if you ask a question uh, to the referrers saying, hey, how do you rate this candidate's performance on a 1 to 10 scale? Obviously, people are going to say 9 or 10, right? Because they are, after all, they are the people that the candidate chose to provide a reference. So they're going to say positive things. But if you ask a question that is more nuanced than that and doesn't have to do with just this objective, like good or bad, but it's more about different traits in a spectrum, people are going to be more honest. For example, is this person more of an individual contributor or are they more collaborative? So neither of these two things is right or wrong. It really has to do with what does the job, the specific job require. For example, maybe a finance job might require someone who's more independent and really is good at like 
doing all this independent work and like running their own processes and maybe another kind of environment might require someone who's much more collaborative and who really like does their best work in as part of a team um and uh, there's all these other questions that you can ask that basically unveil someone's personalities without casting judgment on whether something is good or bad and the, the our kind of mantra with the references is that uh no reference can be a glowing reference or a really bad reference. And all references are just like truthful understandings and uh, portrayals of someone's, uh, of a candidate's uh, personality and soft skills. And then only when compared to a specific job does this reference uh, or does this data make sense and is either a good match or a bad match. So the exact same reference, the exact same candidate can be an excellent match with one position and not a good match with another one. Um, so, so it's all about stripping the positive or negative from the process and making sure that referrers are comfortable with just openly kind of sharing their um, understanding and uh, uh, speaking to those observed traits over the long run. That's good. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, it really does sound like the one-stop shop that you, you said because – you are right about the fact that references tends to be something that that ends up being um, repetitive and, and task laboring for some people. So, but you, you're able, from what I'm hearing, to leverage that technology to automate these repetitive tasks, you know, so that you can focus on the human effort. Um, and, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so if you automate this and you get all this data, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can use this this kind of information. The first one is to make better hiring decisions and not um, filter out candidates that might not look good on paper, but are actually potentially much better than other candidates that you're considering. So it helps you in the candidate selection process and stripping it from bias and it making it based on the qualities that you actually really should be looking at. Uh, secondly, with this data, you are able, and with the matching and ranking that we do, we give the hiring managers or the recruiters the ability to already see who are the top people that have the most promising uh, kind of uh, set of skills, soft skills, personality that is the highest match with your job. So we already kind of restrict the pool into the best people and it saves a lot of time for a hiring manager that might be looking otherwise at hundreds of resumes and not really able to um, make a decision based on those. To those people, we're already, you know, giving the top 5% of the candidates back and that way they can really take the time to understand those people better. Um, and another way to use this data is to further personalize the process because hiring is an increasingly two-way street. You have to, it's not just the candidate that has to sell themselves to the company, but it's also the company that has to sell themselves to the candidate because it is, after all, a candidate's world when it comes to recruiting. Uh, unemployment is, um, especially in areas like New York, is very low and candidates have much more agency in being picky about their their jobs and where they actually end, end up being employed. So, um Companies also need to personalize the process, make it more human. So with the data that we collect about the candidates, now these uh, hiring managers are able to use this information in order to um, attract these people and be able to tell them, hey, we really know what motivates you. We really know what kind of environment you work best in. So we're 
going to offer you that kind of environment or we are going to offer you the kind of training that you th- we, we believe that you need in order to be fully successful in this role and the kind of training that also maps out to your long-term career goals. So it's a kind of data that people can really use to attract talent um, and um, have that talent consider that employer differently from all the other employers who might just use a cookie-cutter approach when it comes to their candidates. And then obviously in the longer term, this data can also be used to facilitate better candidate onboarding so that from day one when a employee joins the company based on this great better understanding of the candidate's personality the hiring manager can already kind of tailor the the process and the experience around the candidate's um you know preferences and it can even serve as a great kind of toolkit for um or teach sheet for the um for the hiring manager uh, to better manage this this employee based on all the information they have about how this person best communicates and best works so basically it, it the, the the value add goes beyond just the recruiting process but also goes into making creating a hiring process and creating even a uh employee process that is much more human and personalized and that leads to happier employees and higher productivity. Wow. Oh, no, this is, this is amazing. Now we're, we're going to wrap up soon, but I'm just curious, have you got, have you gotten pushback on this? Do people doubt that, you know, it's possible mm-hmm. to hire from a more dad driven perspective? Absolutely. I mean, uh, and that's part of like coming up with what we believe to be a different disruptive idea. There's, the status quo that it first of all as I already mentioned the aspect of not really believing in the power of references because people think of references in the old-fashioned way and not necessarily from a potential perspective and the data that we could give them so it's definitely uh, uh, kind of you have to see to experience it in order to believe it so there's definitely an educational component that comes with explaining the day 100 concept but there's also those people that think that maybe they have Hiring is such a human process that they doubt how data and how technology can help that process. And what I really say to those people is that, you know, you can't really replace the human touch. But what you can do is allow technology to um, add to automate your uh, manual tasks and to add data so that you can make that human touch so much more effective. So we're definitely not talking here about having automation and having robots like replace recruiters, which I think is something that maybe some recruiters are afraid of when we speak about machine learning and AI in uh, recruiting, their jobs are not about to be replaced anytime soon. At least it's more about allowing them to automate a lot of those very like invaluable repetitive tasks and allowing them to focus their uh, attention and their human efforts on those tasks that are really most value-adding. Oh, no, okay. No, I mean, I, I can definitely see what... <laughs> I can imagine those conversations right now, the, the back and forth, um, especially with the AI component, because that, <laughs> that is something that, that people, right. you know, they might think you try and take their job. <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm. and then there's the other fear of AI that people have. But that's that's interesting. So, I fine, you sold me, Anata. I, I'm so <laughs> interested. Where do I go? Where can I just find out more about Day 100? Sell me. Absolutely. So um, we're absolutely happy to 
uh, work with companies that believe in uh, data-driven hiring that maybe are already very data-driven in their internal operations, but not yet so data-driven with their hiring. So it's time for them to take the leap and to have you know their people operations also be uh, reflect those same values that the company does. Uh, we're also always working with companies that really uh, have a strong culture and want to preserve and keep and grow this culture as the company scales. So we're always working with either you know enterprise large companies or even startups that are growing quickly and want to preserve that high quality and uh, efficiency while not missing out on um, you know uh, making the the right decisions as they scale. So um, I mean the next step would be that I'd love to actually have a chat, understand more uh, if if there's you know if there is any hiring managers, entrepreneurs, or um, recruiters listening. I'd love to kind of first of all understand better what are the driving forces, what are the priorities that you're looking for when it comes to hiring, um, and whether it's a specific headcount goal, whether it's a diversity and inclusion effort, a culture-based effort, or whatever that is, and then uh, seeing how Day 100 can help in accomplishing those goals. So yeah, I mean, definitely check day100.me out, or just connect with me on LinkedIn, and I'd love to kind of have that kind of conversation um, and then even if day 100 perhaps is not kind of the right fit, I also run this um, um, recruiting and uh, human resources event called the HR Technology Showcase. And we're actually having Teo join us uh, in one of those very soon. So uh, <laughs> definitely find out about that and join us there to speak more and learn more about uh, innovation in uh, HR and recruiting. Well, definitely we'll have all those in the show notes. And thank you. Thank you for having me on uh, to talk about that. It's, uh, it's an honor. I, I saw Absolutely. a lot of the other uh, speakers there um, from reputable organizations. But, you know, listeners and, 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 um, and nomads and anyone listening right now, the, the, you know, the main reason why Anada was here and, and she wanted to come on was to sort of, you know, talk about this idea of, of how we can change the future of work. You know, you, you, um, by the time this comes out, you'd have heard Eric... Um, Eric's episode and how that changes, but we live in a very interconnected and diverse world. So it's very important that the place where we're going to spend most of our lives, which is the workplace, is is reflective of that world. And I was very, very um, fascinated by the technology that Nada and a co-founder um, created because I feel like this is one step into that direction. So if you're an entrepreneur, um, someone in the people environment, just just please check it out to take a look at how it can be implemented into your your place and and um, you know, hopefully we can get closer and closer to fixing the, the diversity problem that exists in a lot of um, um, tech companies, but also um, a lot of industries that, that uh, need more uh, more than just groupthink. So I want to thank you for coming on the show, uh, Anada. Um, but, thank you for the opportunity. This was really great. Oh, the pleasure's mine. <laughs> I, I can't actually let you go yet because you, <laughs> you haven't answered the mission statement question. Now, the mission statement of this podcast is use your difference to make a difference. So, how do you use your difference to make a difference? Oh, my gosh. Uh, This is why you should have shared the questions with me. Uh, (laughs) Let's see. Um, I think that, I mean, my difference, I guess, has to do with coming from, you know, a background that is a bit different from 
most people in terms of where I'm from and kind of my upbringing. Um, so the way I use that is just uh, by kind of really having a lot of empathy for people that are from a similar kind of background where maybe they didn't have that many opportunities, but they still had a lot of passion and uh, drive to succeed and trying to make the world um you know, reward more those things rather than what came from any kind of existing um, existing privilege. So making it much more about uh, drive and mission and uh, ambition and grit and less about um, all the things we we're talking about. So what your name sounds like, where you're from, and um, all those things that don't actually have much to do with the person that you really are. So I'm really kind of using my difference to kind of spread the word about uh, how important and value-adding differences are and helping more people to to think that way and to embrace diversity as something that um, helps everyone and them as well. That is perfect. That is perfect. And you, you thought you needed the questions beforehand. Um, you know, uh, thank you so much, Nada. Nada's using her difference to make a difference by leveraging her, you know, the empathy skills she's just built just from, you know, being um, in several cultures and um, leveraging that to, to um, help others provide opportunity, which seems to be the keyword uh, um, for for uh, this, this particular episode, opportunity. So, um Look forward to, to to getting this episode out there, and and definitely we'll be putting all the all your resources in the show notes for sure. But ladies and gentlemen, till next week, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.